Hi, y'all, and welcome to the second wave of the Wave Hanson podcast. My guest this episode is a true world-changing businessman. We're going to talk about his motivation to start a new company. On the environmental side, we're going to talk about the decisions why companies like Coke won't change plastic bottles, and it goes deeper than you might think. We'll talk about the role of persistence in an entrepreneur's life and also the key group of supporters that you must have if you are an entrepreneur. His view on business and the environment makes me inspired to take on goals that I may think are unattainable at first. This is the Wave Hansen Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Howell. Oh, did you know? The Wave Hansen Podcast is for world changers. All right, today on the podcast, we have Dan Doster. Dan Doster has orchestrated multi-million dollar company exits. He was an executive of a $5 billion branch and is now the company president of Paper Water Bottle, a company changing the world with the aims of making the first 100% compostable mass market water bottle. Dan, you're also a friend of mine, and I'm excited to chat with you. Welcome to the Wave Hansen Podcast. Hey, thanks. Good to be with you. Awesome, Dan. I'd like to focus this podcast on how Paper Water Bottle came to be. You know, I, I think this is a company really changing the world. Uh, we spoke a little bit about where it started, but can you tell us how this idea translated into now a company? Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, so a friend of mine named Jim Warner, who is a world-renowned industrial uh, designer for consumer packaged goods, back in 2009, he was uh, walking with his young son from uh, somewhere in New York City. And his nine or 10-year-old son said to him, hey, dad, what do you do for a living? And Jim said to his son, uh, he was about to tell him he was a designer, and he saw a uh, a soda bottle, plastic soda bottle there in the street. And, and he said, uh, oh, I, I, design, I design those. I design bottles, which is what in part Jim does. And, and his son, son looked up at him and said, you make trash? And it was, it was crushing. Jim was like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to make trash. I, wanted, I want to make something that's special and important. And, and so he had this idea, Jim had the idea, uh, to make a paper water bottle. And so uh, he uh, had a company at the time, filed the first uh, patent application, ended up selling his company. I was involved with the company that uh, acquired his company and uh, had the opportunity to uh, get control of the patent application and then subsequent applications. Uh, started a company to hold the, that intellectual property and, yeah. uh, in effect, uh, fed the patent monster, uh, which is supposed to take 18 months to do a patent after you file it. But sometimes you have to lap through it several times and give additional information to an examiner. And so uh, it, yeah. doing a patent should be relatively inexpensive, so most anybody can do it. But uh, the patent monster in this case took a lot of money, and yeah. uh, and I thought this was important work, and so uh, I was self-funding at the time, and continued to support it. And eventually, uh, beginning in 2014, uh, some of the patents started issuing, and so 
I called up Jim, who was off doing something else, and said, hey, do you want to come be my co-founder? Let's see if we can make this happen. And so that was the beginning of Paper Water Bottle, taking it seriously and uh, developing it uh, entrepreneurially into, uh, into a viable business. That's awesome. It really is a ridiculous idea. I mean, you're, you're taking on an entire industry. Uh, well, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Imagine a paper water bottle. It's oxymoronic. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's the opposite of paper with water. How can that possibly be? Uh, all the big guys that use plastic really uh, have, are deeply invested in doing it the way they've always done it. So plastic has been around for 60 years, give or take. Plastic bottles used in this way. And the big companies are very invested in the R&D and in the approach. And so I get it. Uh, and the, the waste management people are invested in the recycling and collecting all the bottles. So you've got multiple industries that you know, people get in the, in the track of doing it the way they've always done it and not wanting to change. And so, so we're just a tiny little company. And they're all huge, but, uh, you know, it's a uh, David and Goliath, right. right? Our job is to, uh, try to do something different. And, and so we're doing our best to make a difference. Well, David wins in the end. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be good. <laughs> I think you'll be good. What's it, what's it like to go up against, uh, big names like Coca-Cola or, or Sprite or those big companies? Well, you know, entrepreneurs often view this in different ways. Sometimes, you know, big companies are looking for innovation too. And they sometimes innovate in their own lab internally. And sometimes they go outside and find people, entrepreneurs and others that are doing something special and are able to acquire it. So, you know, we don't want to be uh, opposed to big companies. We want to do our best to work with them when that makes sense. At the same time, uh, we want to stay on our track to try to create something special in our own right. Uh, and if they want to, if you know, if they're interested, that I'm sure they'll find us. And if they're not interested, then we want to forge ahead. We think what we're doing uh, has a chance to make a difference. We uh, we continue to move forward. We've uh, found some investors who believe in what we're doing, and uh, we continue to file patents and. Uh, continue to innovate, and uh, and now we're making and selling bottles. So it's been a long journey, but it's exciting. That's right. Compostable, biodegradable, renewable. The move from bottles towards these three terms is going to be awesome. Can you explain what those terms mean along with what your bottles are doing? Well, let me describe the dream. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the goal is 100% backyard compostable. So that means literally uh, being able to put it in your composter. Everybody doesn't have a backyard composter, but those who do, or, or if you're out boating and you accidentally drop it overboard, or if you're out hiking and you forget to pack it out, or whatever the case is, that's the goal, is to not worry about it. Use the water or liquid or whatever you have that's in the bottle, use it, and then have the, the bottle return to dirt, water, oxygen, that it just degrades and it just returns and doesn't hurt anybody. That's the goal. 
in order to accomplish that, it's a journey because uh, if it was easy, it would already be done. Uh, so yes, we right. uh, we currently have a bottle that is made. Sixty-five uh, percent of it is made from renewable pulp material. That's the outer shell, bamboo and sugar cane. Uh, so it, it already will biodegrade. The inside of our bottle, the current bottle, is made of something called Enso Restore, which is blended with PET. PET is plastic. But when that blending is done, uh, then it's, it promotes breaking down in a modern landfill. And so what we're able to do is uh, 98% of our bottle will break down in a modern landfill, the outer shell, the inner barrier. The 2% that does not is the inside of the cap. We know how to get that uh, accomplished. So it also will break down. It's just a matter of having the capital to make that happen. We want to be able to say 100% and we'll be there very yeah. soon. So Awesome. If it ends up in the ocean, it, it's going to break down completely. That's the, That's the goal. That's the goal. That's not where we are, but that's the goal. Great. Yeah, that's the goal. So, so uh, our current product is sixty-five percent renewable, a hundred percent recyclable, and ninety-eight percent landfill biodegradable. So, uh, and and we want to continue to move the numbers up. So we know how to get to eighty-five percent renewable, a hundred percent recyclable and 100% landfill biodegradable. So that's our next step. That's what we're working on now with the ultimate goal, as I said, to be 100% renewable, 100% uh, recyclable, 100% landfill biodegradable, and 100% compostable. So that's that's where we're headed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that Those are big goals. Can you explain what roles your leadership has to do with, you know, increasing your numbers? every year or every quarter or whatever it is. Yeah, thank you. Making progress is Mm -hmm. having clarity of what the goal is and then taking steps to accomplish it. So this is actually a relatively long cycle as it relates to entrepreneurs, Um, particularly in tech. People want to have quick results. Uh, Investors want to have quick results. Shorter cycles, tend to be more the norm in entrepreneuring. Jim and I have been on this uh, for now 11 years, uh, and that's a long time in the world of entrepreneuring. So I would say one of the key attributes is perseverance. you got to really believe in it. Some likely would be critical that we could have gone faster, maybe, uh, but some of the things that we're now doing didn't exist five years ago. So we have the dream, uh, we have the vision of uh, the goal of where we're headed, and then just taking uh, purposeful steps uh, supported by outside investors who believe in where we're headed, uh, supported by our own drive, and supported by our passion that it's a goal that's worthy of our time and our commitment. That's what gets us up and gets us going every day to try to continue to make a difference. And what role does your your happiness play in there? Are you only happy until you've reached the goal or are the steps oh, gotcha. along the way enjoyable? I, I'm, I'm happy every day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, no, the, uh, uh, the goal is uh, helpful uh, because that uh, gives us focus on direction. The process is, uh, is the opportunity to be fulfilled. 
feeling like, uh, as I said, feeling like we're making a difference. What, what we've created already is better than what the world had before. Uh, but it's, it's not the ultimate. So we're making progress and we'll have another product that's better soon. And then we'll have another product that's better than that. And then a product. So it's step by step by step by step. So the, the happiness or joy, I would say comes in feeling like we're making progress toward the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. I love it when uh, we send out samples to somebody and, uh, you know, follow up with a call and have them be excited uh, about what we've created. And, and that's, I love to hear customer feedback. I even like to hear customer feedback where somebody says, wait a minute, that's not what I thought it would be. Well, that's good because then I get a chance to learn from their perspective about what, what their perception is. So how can we do a better job of telling our story? So it doesn't even bother me when somebody doesn't like what we do. I just take that as, oh, okay, maybe we could tell that in a, in a more effective way. And so it, we just cycle through it and try to get better every day. And you're, you're very confident, you know, in, in what you're doing and, and how you're approaching it, your business strategies. That's a big key for being, you know, cool and calm in the face of, you know, maybe people saying this, your competition, having, you know, all this infrastructure or, you know, advantages with uh, investors. Um, I think that within yourself, you, you're confident in, in how you're approaching it. And so that gives you a big advantage in, uh, in tackling a problem like this or tackling a. Yes, it it actually cuts in both ways. I would say you have to have good self-awareness and good self-confidence that what you're doing is worthy of your time. At the same, at the same time, I would say um, if you're entrepreneuring or if some of people listening to this podcast are thinking about entrepreneuring, uh, it's really important to have a group of people, we'll call them advisors or board of advisors, doesn't have to be a board of directors, but uh, a group of people who believe in you because uh, one part of entrepreneuring that I've seen in others uh, is that being an entrepreneur can be lonely. All the decisions come back to you. (laughs) And and it's impossible to not make some missteps. Really it's impossible. So to avoid the self reflection and downward spiral, you, you need to have, a group of people who are on the journey with you and believe in what you're doing, believe in you and will give you the naked truth as they call it. They'll give you the real feedback and say, uh, no, I I don't think that's a very good idea. I think this would be a better idea and be reflective. But in all cases in the end say, uh, but I'm here for you. And, and I believe in you, even if you decide to do something other than what I would decide. So successful entrepreneurs, I, I've never studied it, but I would expect that uh, having just a quiet group of supporters that are actively listening and actively involved, but allow you to make the decisions, but are there for you. I think that's really important to avoid the loneliness of being at the top. Dan, who is your supporting group? Oh, gosh, I've got lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a number of people. 
different perspectives. It's a lot of different friends coming in. Yes. Some, some who are technically technical, some who have professionals, some who are just, uh, you know, emotional support. It's all part of the package. You can't, Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as being an entrepreneur and just saying, well, it's all business. It's not all business. We're human beings. We're also emotional beings. And so you got to have, you got to surround yourself with uh, people who believe in you uh, and are willing to tell you the truth. So definitely. And when, when they're giving you feedback or advice, what is, what is the state that you're in when you're receiving this feedback or advice or support? This group of, of, uh, advisors, I'll call them, uh, I, I'm the, the in charge of the company. It's my company, and I don't pay them for their advice. They are there because they believe in me, and so, uh, and and that creates an environment where uh, there's no downside to being honest. And so, uh, I can receive their feedback and either accept it or not. But I know that it's provided from a place where they only want the best. They don't, they don't have a, you know, a, a, a perspective in it. It's not like a fight. It's not like a struggle. It's uh, here's my best idea. Well, okay. Thank you for that best idea. I don't think it fits in what I'm doing right now, but thank you for offering your best idea. That's different than when, when there are competing forces and, and uh, let's say, an environment where there has to be a winner. And if there has to be a winner, then that implies that there must be a loser. Well, if, you, if you're the entrepreneur and you've got four or five advisors, there, there doesn't have to be a winner. There doesn't have to be a loser. The idea is let's find the best outcome. But at the end of the day, the entrepreneur has to decide. Oh, the decisions re, uh, reside with the entrepreneur. So you can't fluff it off and say, well, my advisor said, no, you made the decision. You, you have to own it. And so that sets up an environment where uh, people, uh, when you inquire of your advisors, my advisors give me their best ideas. Sometimes I take them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I take them and mash them in with other ideas. Uh, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you, nobody right. makes every decision right. I figure if I can get it 60% right or 51% right, then I'm ahead of the game. An important uh, piece there is you're taking responsibility for your own actions, complete responsibility. And you bring up a point about if you're a winner, there's got to be a loser. In business, sometimes it feels like there are winners and losers. I have a bit of a different perspective is, is that it, it really is abundant in the world. And I think there's millions and trillions of opportunities that you can have out there. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, that's an interesting fundamental piece of philosophy you're talking about because, uh, there, yes, there's an abundance, but if, uh, if there's one consumer and there are two sellers, the consumer's going to either buy product A or product B or potentially neither. Maybe they'd buy both, but if they only need one yeah. glass of water or one bottle of water, they're either going to buy <laughs> a one or water bottle the or, <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so, uh, so mm. one might say there's going to be a winner and a loser. They're either going to buy the paper water bottle or the alternative bottle. And so even though there's an abundance uh, of opportunities, but not of outcomes. 
Now, I would say in the world of paper water bottles, today, this year, there will be over 80 billion, 80 billion plastic bottles made in the world this year. Last year, there were 80 billion. The Do you know before, what that looks like? Like 80 oh, billion? Like how I, big is that or how? It's a, I don't it's have a, a reference of scale. It's, I don't either. I should I should figure that out. That's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> that is a bunch of bottles. Well, you know, I I just want to sell a couple of million uh, paper water bottles, and of course we have a, a goal, so we'd like to sell lots of paper water bottles. My point is, no one will even notice <laughs> those huge guys. That won't even notice us. Uh, we we can have success without even making a dent in their world. So there is room for them to be successful and for us to be successful and, and both win in that context. At some point, we, uh, I would love to get to a, uh, a size where the big guys notice and say, wait a minute, <laughs> you're taken away from our business. Well, good. <laughs> then maybe yeah. you should switch over to what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. But that 80 billion is a huge number. So Those are 80 billion purchases. They're an opportunity for you. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's just in the water category. If you expand yeah. this into cosmetics and pharmaceuticals and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, there's yeah. just so much plastic. Uh, the, I, I view that the, the opportunity to expand away from plastic is there. Have something that's renewable and at least recyclable, but better would be renewable and biodegradable and compostable. We can make a difference in the world. And that, yeah, that's a goal worth pursuing. That's awesome, Dan. That is awesome. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're jumping into a whole different field. No one's ever done it before. So why not me, right? Yeah. Why not? You gotta, if you're going to make a difference in the world, you can't just go do what other people did. You got you to gotta find something new and fresh and, and something big enough that it makes a difference. Preserving our earth the way it was created seems like a worthy goal that, that to leave something behind when I'm dead and buried where somebody else can continue to live and prosper. That seems like something worth doing. So it's, it's okay to make money, yeah. but I don't have to make, it's not about making piles of money, just enough to live. That's all. You're planting a sapling and you might not see the shade. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Well, Dan, I think this is a great place to end. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to see what Paper Water Bottle does in the near future. Thank you for uh, having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. This brings us to the end of the Wave Hanson podcast. I'm Steve Howell. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out via email, info at wavehanson.com. Go make a wave and change someone's world. Mm-hmm.